Hello, and welcome back to Mad About, Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And my name's John Marbley. Hello, everybody. What's up, Rise Guys? Yeah, hey, Rise Guys. Rise Guys and Rise Gals. Welcome back. How do you guys feel about having an, an ironic name for your collective? Is it ironic? <laughs> it's at least half ironic. I like the idea of calling people Rise Guys and Rise Gals while, while also knowing this is... Uh, we're, take it... We're not... We're, I, at least I'm not being 100% serious when I call you that. I got the tattoo last week. How are you, John? How's your week been? Uh, I don't know. It's been fine. Nothing uh, uh, noteworthy has happened that I want to share on the podcast. Great. Great. <laughs> How about you? Glad. Hey, you know what? You know, well, I, so much has happened to me, but now I feel bad about sharing it. No, share. It's just that, you know, I don't know no. these people. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this. I don't want to anymore. No, no. Tell me something. Okay, anymore. fine. I'll tell you something. You tell me something. Okay, and also, I was just asking to be nice. Now I have to actually think of a thing that happened. Oh, we don't have not to. Not much happened. Great. So, <laughs> if you were wondering, I think now you have a real clear idea of why Russ and I are both big fans of the character Paul Buckman. <laughs> there it is. Shall we just talk about... Yeah, Russ. About Mad About You What episode was this? Let's see. This was episode... Gosh, what was this episode called? This episode... Is called Sunday Times. It was released October seventh, nineteen ninety two, which was a Wednesday. Which was a Wednesday. I don't know if the audience has been thinking this in their heads, but certainly Russ and I, both in our heads, have just been thinking Thursday each week. Absolutely. I looked today, and when I looked at the TV guide, I was just like, "Wow, eight o'clock, unsolved mysteries. Ten o'clock, Law and Order." NBC really hadn't quite nailed down the whole must-see TV Thursday night concept yet, <laughs> have they? Right. Seems they they hadn't nailed down the the Thursday night concept, yeah. let alone must-see nope, TV. Not at all. They were airing uh, the they Cosby s- Show on Saturday afternoons, I think, and Cheers was uh, <laughs> Tuesdays at six. <laughs> they had no calendar. Yeah, they just didn't. They were. I don't know how they, we forgot. I, ju- I forgot until just this moment that those were two enormous shows that were part of the Tuesday, the Thursday night bracket in the late 80s yeah. and early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. They owned they owned Thursday. And but, Seinfeld uh, and Mad About You with... weren't ready for that slot yet because they were brand new. Well, Seinfeld was four years in. They were plugging along. Well, do you know how into Seinfeld we were? Because I'm going to freak you out because I wasn't ready for this. Do you know what episode of Seinfeld? This is the part of the podcast where we talk uh, about Seinfeld on the Mad About You podcast. <laughs> it's everybody's favorite part of the show. Uh, do you know what aired the night that this episode came on? No. What was the lead-in episode? The Seinfeld lead-in was The Bubble Boy. Ah, uh, The Bubble Boy. The classic. George's classic, The Moops episode. That was one of the first episodes, I think, where I thought, oh, this is weird. Uh, it was you know, it was definitely a weird that's one. That's a big buy-in. From an audience sure. that's used to a show that, that picks apart minutia from real life. Yep. 
for suddenly there to be a, a character who's in a plastic bubble who's always off camera who, in most of the yeah, episodes. Yeah, who we never see. Yeah. 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 And then who tries to assault one of our main characters and then his bubble pops. Yeah, presumably hurting him in some way. Yeah. At least temporarily. In some way, yeah. yeah. Making, making him susceptible to die. Yeah, right, right. And in weird 90s shows uh, lore, uh, are you familiar with the ABC show Civil Wars? No. Is that about divorce? Uh, it's about divorce attorneys. Wait, really? Yeah, so you're very good at this. I got, I really got my finger on the pulse of uh, 90s zeitgeist. <laughs> of early 90s. Yeah. Early 90s, I guess. We all remember all those families breaking up, right? Sure. Is that, a rash of them back yeah, then. Yeah, I mean, that's why uh, every, all the adults that are our generation are terrified of marriage. You're absolutely right. Everybody would because call Because there were so many Hemingway. divorces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many divorces in the 90s that there was a TV series about it. Mariel Hemingway starred. Mariel Hemingway um, from Manhattan. Yeah, from Manhattan. Wow. That's my reference point also. She did so many other things, but for yeah. me, it's just like, oh, wow, that was 1992. Hey, remember that movie when she was a teenager in the late 70s? Mm-hmm. You're right, but um, I couldn't but, tell you one yeah. other thing she's in. I, I also know very, very little. Manhattan's a great movie that I cannot uh, get through anymore. Oh, Woody. It's a real trick. Oh, I remember when, the first time I watched it in high school, Yeah, and he mentions that she's 17 at the very beginning, and yeah. no one reacts to it. Because they're all the lanes right. drinking and smoking. No one reacts. His friend doesn't react. His friend's mm-hmm. wife doesn't react. Mariel doesn't react. And mm-hmm. so then I guess I didn't. But <laughs> deep in my heart, I thought, <laughs> I, I thought, I guess adults were weird in the 70s. I think I just thought, oh, okay, yeah, that's, well, if they're all okay with right. it. Right. And people grew up faster back people then. People are okay with it, and I should be too. Sure. All right. You know, people used to get married at like 12, 13. Right. I mean, yeah, I do this, think this, there is some aspect of that. Sure. Manhattan took place back in Romeo and yeah. Juliet times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Verona. Uh, where, in fair Verona. Yeah, in, in fair Verona. Uh, where, <laughs> oh, don't stop. Where, uh, where we set our scene. Um, uh, Two households. Oh, both very alike. good. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, in both alike in dignity. They're, they're so they're the same, but very, very uh, different. As far as, dig- <laughs> as, far as dignity goes, uh, uh, lacking <laughs> the kind of l- dignity that would be given from my ex-wife, <laughs> Meryl Streep. Mer- Meryl Streep. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, so yeah, that's what happens in Manhattan. Which, um, what's this podcast about? Because I forgot. <laughs> we're getting there. We're we went so there. far. Well, we're gonna go. Far oh yeah, civil I'm wars. Not talking about civil wars. I'm not that's done right. talking about. Yeah, I'm not done talking about civil wars. Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Um, there. Are, are you familiar? You may be familiar with Debbie Mazur. Do you know that actress? Yes, uh, Vin's publicist from Entourage. <laughs> sure. Or I know her from Empire Records. Oh, really? Uh, She's in that too. Yeah, she plays. Uh, I think I can't even remember what role she plays, but she's she's uh, uh, she's definitely in it. She winds up dating Joe, Anthony Lapalia's character, the oh. guy who runs the record store. Cool. Don't remember any of that. Yeah, uh, she's also in Goodfellas. She's his yes. coke-addled girlfriend. Yes, very true. Yeah. Uh, do you know who Alan Rosenberg is? 
Uh, no, but I bet I'd know his face. Oh, well, you probably right? would. I do not. I, I didn't do a heck of a lot more. I read his IMDb and there was nothing that jumped out at me as, oh, that's the guy. Oh, he's a nobody. But, but, but yes, he's, he's a, oh, he's well, a big he's fat a nobody. Uh, I gotcha. He's okay. a big, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's, yeah. Uh, his mother doesn't like him. Either, <laughs> so don't split it. How could um, anyone not like you? <laughs> Um, their characters on Civil War, which was on ABC, uh, were named uh, Eli Levinson and Denise Ionello. Uh, and this show was created by Stephen Bochco. Oh, NYPD uh, Blue. Yeah, NYPD Blue, amongst many other things. Indeed. And the show ran for two seasons. And when it was done... They took those two characters of Eli Levinson and Denise Ionello and transplanted them into season eight, the final season of L.A. Law, which was on NBC. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Whoa. Which was also which was another Stephen Bochco show. Oh, it was. So he was just. Yeah. So he was just like L.A. Law was Steve Bochco. yeah. I always assumed just because it looked quirky when I was a kid. When I got older and I started, I was introduced to Ally McBeal, I was like, oh, I bet this quirky guy worked on Law and o- or, uh, L.A. Law. <laughs> but I guess he didn't. Or maybe he was a writer on it. Who knows? But <laughs> Sometimes we share yeah. facts on here. Sometimes just speculation. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who I, you know what? Let's say it's true. Yeah. Yeah. David E. Kelly wrote on uh, L.A. Law, right? <laughs> Yeah, he also uh, was – did you know he was the original Paul Buckley? Yeah. <laughs> the original choice. Uh, that's crazy. Is that – I don't know any incident of that – any time that ever happened in, in my watching I, of television. I can't think of it really – the only thing that's coming to mind, and this isn't quite the same thing, but like when John Munch, Richard Belzer's yes, character from – that's true. Law and Order is on everything. And I you're familiar with I'd the say concept. everything. <laughs> Oh, he's on everything. I, I'm like, you got to look into it. Wait, there's a whole thing just called just that one show, right? That uh, uh, murder, homicide. Yes, homicide. Yeah, life well, on the street. He was on that. Yeah, he was on that for a little bit. Uh huh. But then that character has appeared in like I, I can't even put a number on it, but I want to say it's like ten different shows no. that character has appeared on. Really? Yeah, that character appears on as like, much. He does a special. As Munch, John Munch, Richard Belzer, as Munch, uh, as John Munch, is in like an episode of Arrested Development. Well, and, that's like, like me- that's like called- a meta one-time gaggy experience, right? Well, it is, it is, but there's something called the Munchiverse, and if you look into it, there's Whoa. they're like because if he exists in all of these right. worlds, then all of these worlds are entwined. Yeah, and I think it even, the like, unified it Munch theory. Connected. And it, yeah, exactly, and it can go. It goes back to like. Uh, St. Elsewhere, too. And so they're like, but wait, so John Munch is also a figment in the imagination of Dr. Anspaugh's autistic son in the snow globe? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm blowing. No, there was a show. Wait, wait, no. What are you talking? There was a show set in a snow globe. Are are you are you familiar with St. Elsewhere? I've heard of it. That show is all in someone's head. Yeah. Yes, Sane Elsewhere was a medical drama, uh-huh. uh, dramedy probably, uh-huh. in the 80s. Denzel Washington's first show, Ed Bagan Jr., Howie whoa, Mandel. Whoa, Huge show. It was huge. 
And one of the characters, one of the doctors, had a son who had autism. Mm -hmm. And the reveal in the last episode, the last scene, we see the outside of the hospital, and then we pull back, and we see that the hospital is inside a snow globe. Oh, get out of here. That is being looked at by the autistic son of one of the surgeons, one of the doctors. Uh Uh-huh. And so the whole thing... Wow, the whole show happened in the head of the autistic son. Wow, and everybody got pissed. Everybody. Okay. Oh, yeah. People are still mad back then at finales. They're they're mad then. They're mad now. It's a it's it's a it's a joke. It's like a running like uh, you know you'll hear comedians talk about. Are we sure that this isn't just in the head of some autistic kid? I feel like I'm going to hear that everywhere now. I'll bet you will. Now that I know about it. And you'll know. Yeah. Now that you learned about it on a Mad About You podcast. Yeah, like Joey Buttafuoco uh, so now saying elsewhere. <laughs> this is my favorite recurring feature is John finds out about stuff. Yeah, people gonna, don't know this, but talk. Russ found we, me yeah, in a cave have... in Encino, California. <laughs> man, oh, man. That's a movie that happened uh, in the world is Encino, man. God bless Brendan Fraser. We miss you, buddy. Um <laughs> He's not dead. I love School Ties. I read the novelization of School Ties. That's how much wow. I love School Ties. I love yeah. With Honors. Oh, man. Don't get me started on With Honors. Maura Kelly and With Honors. Not to oh, mention Maura Kelly and The, the Cutting wing. Edge. Oh, sure. To, yeah. Less in The West Wing, no, but yes. No, she has a long, long <laughs> yeah, arc. On the, she was, about as long as Selby, yeah, at least. On the, She and Selby yeah. are going to wind up together. <laughs> I love how much they contribute over the many years of these long-standing <laughs> series, shows yeah. oh. <laughs> well that is some interesting stuff for us i i i love to interest <laughs> uh tell me tell me what happened in the world please oh so what ties in nicely is this episode is as you said called sunday times right right and the tv guy description is other sundays and oh you know what it doesn't even mention it basically okay so the tv guy description is others sundays intrude before paul and jamie can decide how to spend the day but it's called sunday times of course because they spend the whole episode reading the sunday times mm-hmm. right and set on a Double sunday. meaning for times so not to mention oh but wait 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 i'm gonna jump ahead because we talk about uh how long we're going to spend there 87 minutes uh-huh. That's a time. That's a Sunday time. 87 minutes is an <laughs> amount of time. I couldn't find anything too interesting in particular. You can't just pull up mm-hmm. a newspaper, right? So, Because in my wildest dreams, we would get the Sunday times from that week. Right. That would be great. Um, it's hard. Yes. It's, it's harder than I thought it would be, given the fact that the internet exists. But it is hard. Well, this. if we had LexisNexis or something, I think we could do right. better. But we're a not microfiche. academics. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, despite what you all might be thinking, we're not academics. <laughs> uh, one funny thing, I didn't know this happened, I guess, but uh, in in national news, at least, Ross Perot re-entered the presidential race. Oh, okay. I believe that, that that's a thing that could have happened. He was in, he was out, he was back in. Sure. Also, here's a sub-headline. This year may be remembered for its new low in negative campaigning in the presidential race. <sighs> It's all relative, folks. (laughs) But moving into city news, as always, we love checking in with Mayor Dinkins to see how his... What's up? What's up, Davey? How his mayorship is going. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so I guess there was a murder this week uh, or sometime in the recent future. Yeah, there was. so there was a murder, it turns out, in New York City uh, in 1992. (laughs) 
That does sound noteworthy. What happened? There was one in Washington Heights, right? And I guess a de- one of the detectives on the scene and a cop stole money out of the glove compartment. It was a drive-by. And oh, so the victims were shot in their car. And I guess while they were investigating, they just, you know, lifted some of the cash <laughs> out of the crime oh, scene. God. <laughs> So I guess you know uh, to corrupt cops and uh, Dinkins wanted to put together a, a special team to look into corruption, I guess, and the, on the force and in this particular incident. And then this gets into like my like city law minutia, which I didn't don't tell take me the, the time. end. I'll bet I I'll bet I know what happened. He did it. He set up that crack force to end police corruption, mm-hmm. and it ended it. And now. The police everywhere are no longer corrupt. Funnily enough, no. Oh, man. That's also where oh, I man. thought it was going, but it it didn't. John, I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, it's fair, because you, in fairness, you that was a very good guess. <laughs> knowing what I know, <laughs> I took a yeah, shot. Knowing what you know about the world in the city, great guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but sadly, no, it didn't. So, so basically, uh, his administration's having issues this week because uh, people are saying it's illegal for him to put this team together. I guess it has to do with some some tiny piece of law in some city thing or whatever. So it's this is like as specific as you get in city politics. And quite honestly, uh, if you want to look into it, go for it. And uh, I didn't care enough to. <laughs> Great. You know, we got the gist. Can we talk Dick- brief? Can we talk <laughs> for a second about uh, about Ross Perot? I'm sure he'll come up again. So uh-huh. maybe this isn't the best time. But I was listening to a podcast called Still Buffering. It's on the Maximum Fun Network. It's a great podcast. Uh, three sisters of varying ages talk to each other. And one of them didn't know who Ross Perot was because she is 16. Mm. Um, and I was just like, oh, well, I and everybody know – everybody my age knows who Ross Perot is because of the impression uh, – because of Dan Dana Carvey's Carby, sure. Like just, you know, can I finish? It's just sad. Can't finish. That's mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was, yeah. Um, and I said this and uh, on on the Facebook page for this podcast, and somebody else was just like, "I didn't know about that. I knew about it from all that." Oh, and they I was parodied... just like, "Yeah, that was what I said." Wow. I was like, "I didn't know they did that on all that." I... So, and uh, you know, yeah, different sketch shows for different ages. Uh, all that was a little bit after my time. I think yours too, probably. All yeah. that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched it a little. I don't know. I didn't like. Uh, yeah. I didn't like Nick at Night. I didn't like all that kid crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm touch and go with the Nickelodeon stuff. There was yeah, some stuff that, like know, Snick. You talk I don't about, care. Oh, uh, see, I loved Snick. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Yeah, I'd find out what was happening in the world around me and not hide away, and then I'd relax at night. With a little bit of snick and treat my inner child, unlike you, you uninformed. Listen, Saturday nights, I was I was out. You were out. You were just getting tail. Yeah, I was out. Yeah, I was I was hunting and drinking. Oh, God, <laughs> hunting for a girlfriend and throwing back beers. Oh, that was my middle school. That, yeah, that was my early nineties. Yeah. Holy moly. We should talk about whatever you want to talk about next. Do we want to talk about there, another thing that happened in this, I, oh, I in have, this fine city? Yeah, I have so many news items here that we might have to cut some. <laughs> because Oh, we definitely have to cut some. Oh, what a week. Uh, I'm Give also skipping the darkest one. ones. No, I'm going to fly through a lot of these because I don't want to pick. Oh, there's only th- – okay, there's three fun ones. 
The rest are okay. horrendous nightmare scenarios that, uh, quite honestly, we don't need to go into. Because also, they're still happening. Nothing changes. The world is awful. But <laughs> here's a great headline about New York. Okay. Fur is flying in Madison Square Park. Concerned that hostilities between the dog people in Madison Square Park and her own small group of squirrel benefactors was threatening to get out of hand, Joe Mary McCormick Sakurai thought it would be good and useful to have a ceremony to bless all animals that live in or use the urban oasis. John, when you started that sentence, I did not think the phrase squirrel benefactors benefactors. was going to come up. Here's a great pull quote. Uh, Miss McCormick Sakurai said, Here some of the dogs chase squirrels and some dog owners even encourage them to do so. I've had some of these owners tell me there's no harm in it since the dogs never catch the squirrels. Well, that's not entirely true, but even if they didn't, is it right for the squirrels here to live in constant terror? Oh my god. I mean, isn't this amazing? This was in the Times. <laughs> this is in the Times. Yeah. This was the, the paper of record. At Union Square, she said, oh, this is great. I didn't even read this earlier. At Union Square, (laughs) this is a quote, squirrels are fat and happy and not afraid. Here they are skinny and frightened, said the Chinese immigrant whose husband, Richard Warsock, a computer programmer, reported he was punched when he took the squirrel side in an argument. Stop it! (laughs) Miss Wang comes to the park. Oh, so we've moved on from Sakurai to Wang. Which makes sense, because Sakurai is a Japanese name anyway, I believe. Mrs. Wang comes, Ms. Wang comes to the park every day and places filberts high, on, filberts high on the tree trunks, wedging them into the bark. This way, squirrels can get them without meeting dogs on the ground. I can't believe they're squirrel benefactors. Wow. I gotta, I gotta find out what's happening with these people. And with these squirrels. Father Bacchus prayed for the protection of the squirrels, the pigeons, and the few pets that were brought to him. These included a Solomon Island skink, which is a lizard, but hardly any dogs. Uh, oh, <laughs> what else he got, oh, oh, and what a great... This is the final poll quote at the very end. At the other, end, other end of the park, a woman playing with her dog offered her observation on the conflict. Stressed out squirrels, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> and then she turned to her dog and said, No silly billy squirrely whirlies are ever going to push us out of here, are they? The, I... Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Her words, these anonymous, beautiful words have been immortalized in the New York Times forever. No silly, billy, squirrely whirlies are ever going to push us out of here, are they? God, I miss the 90s, you know? (laughs) Here's another fun story. Chinese agency indicted in Gene's import scheme. That went down that week. That went down uh, the Tuesday before this episode aired. Evidently, uh, two Chinese... uh, Well, the Chinese government agency conspired with a subsidiary in new york to try and evade united states quotas on clothing imports by falsely labeling thousands of jogging suits so i guess we have quotas on what you can import right and how they're taxed supposedly uh they they falsely declared 24,000 boys acrylic jogging suits to be girls acrylic jogging suits Thereby dodging 1989 customs quotas on boys' jogging suits. Gender is a construct, and this is a bunch of BS. Isn't that weird? Also, do you think they had different numbers for boys' jogging suits versus girls' jogging suits? Absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. Sexism is rampant and everywhere. (laughs) Oh, and also, in case you were – you you ever walk down 40th, Russ, and you see that old building between uh, 7th and 8th that just says China Techs, and it looks like you're – going to a business meeting from 1958 
I don't think I've ever taken note of it. I will now. Well, they were involved in this. Oh my! Yeah, they're uh, they got a, they're an importing exporting company. Art Vandalay. Yeah, they're an importer exporter. <laughs> uh, isn't that good so news? Everybody, weird? Seinfeld it, is back. And these people went to jail f- where they were facing maximum charges, uh, maximum uh, sentences of five to seventeen years, and like a quarter of a million to a million dollars in fines, which is not. I mean, my God, not worth it at all, if you ask me. No. I wouldn't do it. Uh, to get a deal on imp- on your tariff for importing jogging suits for kids? Also, what kids wearing I, jogging ask me if suits? I do it. Ask me if I'm interested right now. All right, Russ, I got a great opportunity <laughs> mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a big lot of jogging suits <laughs> from Hong Kong. No. Okay. No. No, let me tell you all about it, though, first. No. I've got more integrity. Well, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Here's one final controversy so. to leave you with, though, before we move into the Wrap show. Wrap us up. Bring us home. Uh, this also came out the Tuesday before uh, this episode aired. It said, Apology for New York Telephone Brochure. New York Telephone apologized yesterday for a brochure that it sent to 190,000 small businesses around the state that suggested ways to weed out prospective employees who observe Jewish holidays by taking the day off from work. Under the heading, Questions You'd Love to Ask a Job Prospect But Can't, the brochure said the employer should not ask directly, will you be taking time off from work to observe Passover? A more appropriate question, the brochure suggested, is will the times of your religious observances conflict with the regular work periods at this company? <laughs> yeah, that's a thing that happened. Yeah. That happened. That probably that happens happened now. Me. Yeah. Oh, really? That happened to me a couple years ago. A boss that I had, I'll be as vague about all of this. Absolutely, yeah. The department that I'm in, I am, uh, as I believe... Russ works for the Ku Klux Klan, right, Russ? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We all do, yeah. We gotta be... So it's really dicey (laughs) to ask for time off for... For Passover. For the Jewish holidays that I need. It's gotta be handled with care. Yeah, but you got like a Um, month off for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Um, No, I'm I'm a Jewish guy. And my department is 75%, maybe even higher, a small department, high percentage of Jewish people. And so for the High Holy Days, we're out. Sure. And an, an old boss of mine uh, said to me, he was like, all right, so we're going to try to get somebody else in here, another employee. Boy, oh boy, can't hire another Jewish person because you got to have somebody here to They said that out work loud? Done. To me. And I said to him, I was just like, and he and I, like, we get along and we got along. Uh, and I think that he was mostly kidding. But I was, I said to him, I was just like, oh, I don't think that's a thing that you can say Ooh. out loud to me. Right. Yeah. Just do it <laughs> passively the way the New York telephone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> telephone they're, they're, manual yeah. tells you to. Yeah. Just say, you know, oh, boy, oh, boy, we're going to have to check in to see if people are going to be requiring any time off during specific holidays if you know what i mean i mean this is why so, employment yeah. discrimination laws exist You're because right. it also makes sense you know what i mean if you were just a manager yeah. and you didn't know anyone and you were like that guy is gonna take five days off more than that guy well then i gotta go yeah. with the other guy so we're siding with management. I always side with management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, I think this is a non-story, actually. Russ, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shared it. Typical New York Times making a mountain out of a molehill. 
<laughs> that is unbelievable. Oh, man. I remember my old boss at my old job sort of alluding to things like that, too. Yeah. I mean, I think this is something that happens in New York a lot, where there's a lot of Jewish employees, like more than other places, I'm assuming. Right? Probably. Yeah. So, like, you notice it a little more during the high holidays, and my old Gentile boss, boy, would he get a little extra stressed out and skirt yeah. the issue <laughs> and just yeah. sort of dance around things for a while. It was like, dude, yeah, relax. They just ask, they just ask questions, like, individually. They're just like, so you're out next week, right? Yeah, right, and right. you're out? <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're out? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just need to make sure that I know that... You are, are out, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next week. Can everyone who's out next week uh, go into that room down there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Let's man. Just get you all together. Just so I'm clear, all of you are out next week. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I told you the world is awful. But thank God we have the relief of shows like Mad About You. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remind us of the good things. Don't worry, John. It's Wednesday night in 1992, and we are here to chuckle. So uh, This was also directed so, by Barnett Kelman, our same mm-hmm. boy who's been with us since the beginning, all three weeks. Right. Uh, but this was... And the same, the same writer, right? No. Oh. No. I knew. I was setting you up. Wait, did you? I did know. Oh, very... Tell me who wrote it. That was a very good setup, because you really threw me. I'm a very, I'm a very good actor. A man named Jeffrey Lane, hmm. who... Uh, interestingly enough, wrote the book for Dirty... And he got a Tony nomination for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, the musical, a couple years ago. Sure. And for Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Excellent. Uh, and he wrote on just a ton of TV shows. He's currently writing Locos Ex Vos. I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. But basically, it's mad about you in Spanish. You don't? I believe. I don't speak Spanish. That wouldn't be shocking if I did. Your accent work was flawless. <laughs> Thank you. I speak Spanish accent, but only like a uh, beginner. <laughs> but only like offensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had a horrible teacher. Sure. Warner <laughs> Brothers. Anyway, I'm funny, you're funny. Let's get on to the episode. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, the cold open. Paul and Jamie are in bed. Speaking of news and uh, what's going on in the paper and big events. Helen Hayes broke her foot. Oh, no. Mm. Actually, I thought she was dead, so this is, you know... <laughs> She's like ahead of the game, if you think about it. That's that's the story that Paul opens with when he's reading, which reminds me, I'm so sorry, but there is one other story that's so in line <laughs> with that that I came across in the Sunday Times from that week that the episode mm-hmm. aired. Brooke Astor isn't one to let a cat get her tongue, even if the cat is a Florida panther prowling the grill room of the Four Seasons during lunch. I didn't touch him, unfortunately, said Mrs. Astor, the doyenne of New York society who encountered the feline at East 52nd Street restaurant a week and a half ago. Yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, Brooke Astor, Helen Hayes. Yeah. Sure. A couple of titans of old worldy theater and acting. Getting into little mishaps (laughs) around Manhattan. With panthers and feet. (laughs) Love it. Um, So Helen Hayes broke her foot in this episode. And like they're reading the paper in bed. Yeah, but this leads to this huge, this uh, kind of existential conversation, I guess. Makes you think. Sure does. You got to seize every moment. Which they, uh, which they try to do. That's that that kicks off our episode. It kicks it off. It's of how are we going to savor every moment of this day? It's Sunday. We got nothing to do. We got the the city at our disposal. 
It's the morning, so mm -hmm. we start going through all the things going on. Okay, <clears throat> there's a 10K run in the park. Eh. The Gay Pride Parade. Again? The Pride Parade's in June. I don't know when it was then. Now it's in June, and this is presumably sure the autumn. So, you know. Oh, it's a great point. Yeah. I think I, I, I'm going to go ahead and call that a, uh, an inconsistency. I'm we can grill Danny Jacobson, or we can, we can grill Mr. Lane on this when we have him on the podcast. Uh, I feel like the again might have just been their joke way of justifying the remark in the beginning. Uh, I think you're right. But then they get into a conversation about how many gay friends they have. <laughs> you think we have enough gay friends? <laughs> to do what? I'm just asking. Sure, what are you talking about? There's Eddie and Rob, Pony Prado. Tony's not gay. I fixed him up with my sister. <laughs> Go 1992. Yeah. Well, go this one show in 1992 for two minutes. But still. For saying, do we have enough? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's very That's very true. Part of me was just like, oh, do we have enough gay friends? That's a thing. In 1992, that's a progressive question. Do we have enough gay friends? I mean, I, I'm is, pretty sure it is. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. This is probably right. I mean, then he makes the comment about, you know, you know, I set him up with, you know, there's the joke about Jamie setting him up with Lisa. And so being surprised that he's gay. Sure, you know, sure. Or, or, yeah, there's a confusion about whether or not he's gay, which is a weird, a weird little joke. But that being said, the very concept of saying, do we have enough gay friends back in 92 Yeah, on television, that's uh, heading in the right direction. Absolutely. It feels a little ahead of its time. So then we move into the first scene, which is yep. in the bathroom. So many scenes mm -hmm. in this show are set in the bathroom. With pink and white tile everywhere, which I don't think lasts. I'm pretty sure they renovate this bathroom. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I like all the things they do when we're not watching. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are the scenes they're not showing us? <laughs> Jamie's brushing her teeth, and she just goes, Oh, God, I wish I still smoked. Something like that first cigarette after you brush. Which I get with a cup of coffee, I guess. Let's sure. Say. Yeah. There's something satisfying can... about ruining something. <laughs> right. There's something satisfying about ruining something. I mean, that's the impulse. I oh, think. who are you, Hemingway? Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, or Stalin. Yeah, or Stalin. <laughs> I realized something about Paul Reiser in general. His natural voice and cadence is the way I do and think about when people do a New York voice. Oh, me too. Like, I I really think he's the quintessential version of it. Not even like, not necessarily a parody of it. Just like if you were to do a I want to sound the way a New York person sounds. Agreed. You do Paul Reiser. And that being said, for a moment when I heard him during this episode, I was just like, oh, Paul's putting on this voice so that we know he's from New York. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, that's the way he talks. Yeah, that's the way he talks. He's, he's from New York, you big dumb idiot. Yeah, he's from <laughs> Queens. Uh, he's doing the crossword in the tub. What are you doing? What? What am I doing? I thought we agreed to do the puzzle together. Yes, but I couldn't find you. I only did the downs. You called the 900 number for the answers, didn't you? I forgot that was even a thing. I don't even know Me if it is still. Too. 
quite honestly. I'll tell you what else is a, not a thing. She says, I'm going to check the bill when it comes. Yeah. Oh, itemized phone bills. Yeah. Can you, you just you look imagine? at a series of numbers and times and say, <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. Well, I guess, uh, how many 1-900 numbers is anyone calling now? Those are a fortune. She catches them because she says, So you're telling me that you actually knew the 16-letter word for a Suriname pigeon language. Hey, I had a life before you. Which sent me down such a K-hole. <laughs> about Uh language first off i didn't even know what a pigeon language was quite honestly which makes me feel stupid did you yes okay so i'm i'm very smart yeah evidently so for those who don't know (laughs) it's a simplified form of a language that uh people would use when both groups of people spoke entirely different languages so like creole would be one so the only one i could find from suriname was called sranantongo which is not 16 letters But it's a fusion of English, Dutch, Portuguese, Central, and West African languages. Make another note. Mr. Lane, I'm going to call BS on this as well. (laughs) There is no 16 letter. But we're going to take him to task. You know what, though? I think it's worth it for the joke. I'm sorry. I disagree. I think we we need to be able to believe. You know what, Russ? I'm sorry. I disagree with you, actually. I think I think it is worth it for the joke in this case. Well, we had a good run. <laughs> uh, I think when it comes to crossword humor, you either you have to have a small number of letters with an enormous question, or an enormous quest, uh, small question with an enormous number of letters. Right? That's part of your book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How to write part crossword your, crossword of- puzzle jokes. Yeah, part of your screenwriting <laughs> slash crossword book. Yeah. Uh, what I am going to include in the show notes, or what do we call these, podcast notes? Yes. Well, sure. I found a book called The Survey of Pigeon and Creole Languages. <laughs> oh, my God. Get this. Volume one. Oh, wow. So this is a recurring <laughs> yeah. You know what? Look, we're doing a podcast about a show that was out 20 years ago. 24. I totally yeah. believe. Tw- yeah. I totally believe. That there are books breaking down actual languages. <laughs> <laughs> it's $160. At least I hope so. $160. Yeah, it's an academic book, I think, you know. Uh, our pa- our podcast is free. Listen to this and don't read that. <laughs> yeah, we gave you the gist. Yeah, Sran and Tongo. Go. Google it. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so Paul reveals that he, he had a dream about them last night. I had the weirdest dream last night. About what? About us. We. Oh, yeah? What were we doing? Well, we were sitting on a couch. And? And, and, and eating potato chips. And? And watch, we were watching the Weather Channel. <laughs> That's it? That's it. We were sitting, eating, and watching. That's a dream you remembered? I'm not saying I'm proud of it. I'm just sharing I've had dreams like that. Have you really? I don't know if I have. Yeah. Yeah, where it's just like I I dreamt that either I did laundry or I dre- I dreamt that I was watching an infomercial one time. I'll never forget that. What were they selling? Uh, I think it was a bike chain, Ugh. like a new and improved bike chain. Yeah, so Jamie takes offense to the dream. She says, oh, you're yes. calling me boring. We're boring. We're a boring couple is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so not the, what he's saying, but it's not what I, he's I, saying. I understand. Sure. I understand the offense. It's sort of what his subconscious might be saying. I had to watch that part again because the first mm-hmm. part, my girlfriend Jen noticed, and she mm-hmm. is correct, that Paul gets out of the tub mm-hmm. and goes into the closet and puts on jeans, 
with no underwear. You know what's funny? I didn't go back, but I had the same thought, and then I questioned it in my head, yeah. and I said, you know what? I, I don't care. <laughs> so they bring up two possible activities, right? She wants to go to the Amish mm-hmm. quilt ex- exhibition at the Folk Art Museum, and he wants to go to the sure. Belgian Film Festival at the Quad. Right. Uh, and um, we take it from there. What else? Are yeah, you? we go they, to commercial, they, uh, right? Yeah, I believe we In do. theory. I don't know. We go to another scene. Sure. It feels like a commercial Lisa break. comes over. Yeah, Lisa's. Now we're in the kitchen with Lisa, Paul, and Jamie. We haven't mm-hmm. seen Lisa. We didn't see Lisa in episode two, so it's nice to have her That's back. That's true. <laughs> Paul comes in and discusses a, a disembodied person. Yeah, he says they uh, found body parts in a bag in New Jersey. Yeah, and Lisa responds beautifully with, Wow. God, I wonder if it's anyone I know. Why would you automatically assume that? What, you think I don't have friends? She's our touchstone to all the the dark parts of the city. Oh, it's so good. Because Paul and Jamie sort of sit in their little bubble, and they read about things. Last week, they read about mm-hmm. a murder. This week, they read about body parts. And Lisa's the one who connects them to the subway, to the the mob in New Jersey, like... Lisa's really Lisa's deep in the city. It. Yeah, she's in the trenches of New York. <laughs> she's also. I'd love to hang out. I'd love to hang out for a night with Lisa. Oh, I would. I, I, I tell you what, I would be in love with Lisa. I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, also, she's looking at the classifieds. It sounds like like she's reading off different job descriptions, hmm. which I didn't know were in the Times ever. But I believe it. If they were, I don't know. Or I'm, maybe I'd at least, yeah, so. that makes sense. I guess I used to look at classifieds sure. when I was eighteen and tried to try to get a job. Yeah. Uh, but then she goes, and I feel like this is a real period joke, and I didn't spend too much time, and I don't know what it means. But she goes, who is this guy, Kelly, and why does he need all these girls? Did you did you look it up? I know, <laughs> based on what I've said so far, it would sound like I spent a day looking it up. I didn't even Google it. What do you Google? I don't even know what to Google. Kelly, 1992 Kelly. girls? Kelly, girls. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Oh, I wish I was. Oh, no, that's Jesse's girl. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but Different if anyone thing. knows what that joke means, uh, let us know. Right in. Because it feels like a definite joke. Yes. It's, a it definite dated something. joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we, it, was, it, was, it was given canned laughter, so we should treat right. it as such. <laughs> right. That's all real. That's all real laughs. It, real canned laughs, yes. <laughs> Fair. Um we find out Lisa has Broadway tickets to go see Will Rogers Follies alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Rogers Follies, of course, was actually a show that was playing on Broadway at the time. A lot. That Tommy. Do you remember this? Oh, because you grew up there. Did I you see it? Out. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see it, but it was it was certainly out, and it was. I mean that that shows a that show is a touchstone. It was a Tommy you know? Toon show too. Yeah, Tommy Toon is very tall. Yeah. <laughs> Are you just saying that, or are you... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just true. Is that, a, is that a fun... No, I'm saying it because Mr. Costanza says it. Point. But I think it's funny that, like, Tommy Toon and or his work are in the zeitgeist of sitcoms. Yeah. I mean, was... Always and forever. Yeah, was he the, uh, uh... Oh, what's his name? Lin-Manuel Miranda of uh, the 90s? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but on a smaller scale, obviously. <laughs> a, a more niche scale, but still. He was... He's... He, people... People, people know Tommy, Tommy Toon, yeah. Like yeah. People knew Tommy for sure. It ran for uh, almost a thousand performances. It closed in '93. Love it at the Palace Theater, Love no it. less, which is still there. You can go see American in Paris. 
And uh, imagine, <laughs> do me a favor, go to the theater and imagine where Lisa Stemple might have sat. <laughs> Treat yourself to that. <laughs> I hope it wasn't the See orchestra. If you can't find a moment. See if you can't find a moment in your time to just <laughs> let your mind slip. Um, you know, live your life. Um, Jamie's still mad uh, because mere moments ago, uh, Paul said their relationship was boring or implied it to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, and she's mad. Well, she's, what is she making? Did she say what she's making and I missed it? She is making a cassoulet. Which is like so funny after failing it to cook a frozen lasagna in the, in the pilot. <laughs> like it, it's, it's hard. such a dramatic uh, no, she, difference. She keeps on trying. Yeah, she, she does. On God bless her. <laughs> um. So she's going on and on about it's get, basically this has set her off on a, on a like a little crisis, right? What is it? A cassoulet. Oh, what's that? Same as a casserole. So why would they call it that? I don't know. Should I call Paris? Oh, it just seems to me. Why don't they just call it a casserole? I mean, why 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 do that to people? Because they're bastards and they hate you. <laughs> it's different. I mean, you want different, right? I do. Sure seems that way. Did we have a fight while I wasn't here? She feels she's boring. She's worried. Yes, she's upset. She's a little bit angry. She's uh, she's she's working through it all. Yeah, she's a little bit mad. Yeah, she's a little bit mad at him. Yeah, and she's like, you know, I used to, I used to go out. I'm serious. How did this happen? I used to be out there all the time. I frizzed my hair. I I wore hats. I slept with artists once. Commercial. Still. What kind of hats? All kinds. Big funky hats. Little funky hats. I wore hats. I have never seen you wear a hat. Yeah, well, I guess those days are gone. The hats are... The hats are like a touchstone for her. Yes. Like a youthful touchstone. I feel like that is definitely a thing where it's just like, hey, I... That's a, a definite thing where I used to be a different person. I wore hats once. Yep. Absolutely. That's a sort of simple enough, you know, time marker. Yeah. I used to be a hat person. Now I'm not a hat person. I've finished the hat. <laughs> Good for you for thinking about Sondheim <laughs> while I was thinking about that Jimmy the Hat bit that I talked about last week on the show. And <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mad About You is just the eye of a hurricane. So she's worried those days are gone. And they're still going back and forth. Do we we go to the Belgian Film Festival or do do we go to the uh, Amish Quilt Exhibition? Right. And obviously Paul wants movies. She wants quilts. Jamie's cooking. And she goes, uh, she's, the recipe calls for cumin, right? For cumin. I, this is one of my favorite episodes of this show. Me too. And the phone call to Mark and Fran is one of my favorite moments uh, of this episode. Yeah. She goes, and, call Fran and ask her what Cuban is. Yes. And everything about the call between Mark and Fran and Paul is perfect. Mm-hmm. Just Mark answering the phone, calling back to Fran. Fran knows everything about Cuban. Hello, Dr. Devino. Mark, hi, it's Paul. It's Paul. Hi, Paul. That was Fran. Yeah, I figured. Listen, Mark, you know what cumin is? Oh, Fran loves it. Loves what? Cumin. I love it. Fran loves it. What is it? What is it? What is it? 
Very earthy. Also good for the middle ear. Hold on. I'm getting the book. She's getting the book. What book? No, don't get a book. Hi, it's me. Would you believe I own one entire book of cumin recipes? You know something, Fran? I would. Yes, I would. <laughs> Fran goes and gets a book about yeah, cumin. Yeah, an entire book just on cumin. And starts reading it to him. Oh, and the quote is so... It's so... Did you write it down? It's so good. Chapter one, the history of cumin. <laughs> the history of cumin can almost be seen as the history of man himself. <laughs> First discovered in the nether reaches of the Indian terrain. Well... She says it's like pepper. I have not read or seen the word cumin in a recipe or in life since this episode without thinking it's like pepper. Yeah. And without, and without just hearing Richard Kind going just, oh, loves it. Yeah. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah. That's just in me now. Yeah, I have... I definitely have Richard Co- – or, well, I should say Mark Devenow. Mark Devenow things in my head. Like, my brain or subconscious will react to things in Mark Devenow's voice sometimes, which yeah. makes me sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I no, don't, you're doing I, great. Well, yeah, I mean, I have no defense. <laughs> I have no defense. <laughs> Maybe I'm nuts. Anyway. I, I have Mark Devenow's voice in my head, yeah, and I have no defense for you it. You know what? If you're listening oh, to this, you... you probably do too. That's true. That's a good point. I thought you were going to say, if you're listening to this, give me a call. Check up yeah. on me. I'm not doing great. <laughs> um, we sort of just go out on that uh, that uh, that pepper line, right? Yeah, That's the, the pepper end of the line scene. takes yeah. us to commercial. Yeah, so we haven't resolved the main conflict, which is we got to get right. out of the house, and what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And we're already into scene three, which is uh, it's yeah. one of the, this is clearly already just one of those Sundays where, uh, you know, it's a little tough to get going. Right. Tough to get your it's, day going. You, you have all the um, ambition and all the plans in the world uh, or all the, 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 the desire to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And you wind up just about halfway through. You're just like think this is just going to be an inside one. But no, 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 yeah. no. Got to rally. Come on. <laughs> That's right. So they finally – we come back to scene three. They're at the coat closet, Paul and Jamie. They're putting on their coats. They got the plan, which they, I guess they formulated while we were at commercial. All right. So we go lunch first, then the film festival, then 86 minutes of your uh, quilt show. 86 minutes? Same running time as the movie. Seems fair. <laughs> but we got to get out of here now because the parade's going to hit our block any second. So? So... They already closed Hudson for the 10K, which means if we're not out of here right now, we're stuck for the next two hours. I love the fact that a, uh, that the ticking clock in this is the gay pride parade is yeah marching down Fifth Avenue. Yeah, the pride parade is coming. Yeah, this this is a sense of urgency. And just as they're heading out the door, <laughs> Jamie's mother calls. Hi, we're out. Leave a message and we'll call you back. Jamie. It's your mother. Oh, dog. Uh, what are you? Uh... Mom, we're here. We're just going out. No, she went to the theater. Uh, well, look at this. Did we ever eat at Fung We? Slacks and a nice top. Did we? Uh, once, I think, yeah. They closed it. Mom, the people in the theater are not going to know she's your daughter. You get immediately why Lisa is as neurotic as she is. The mothers and just the parents on this show going forward and in this episode are so perfect. Yeah. So parents of adults in the 90s did not get a great uh, – were not represented well. 
Uh, no, that is very true. Yeah. If you were the parent of an that adult in the true. 90s, yeesh, on TV. But you know what? For two characters as neurotic as Paul and Jamie, mm-hmm. it's just like just the one-sided conversations that we get to hear. It's just like, yep, that's how these people happened. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Oh, you know what I noticed while they were on the phone? They don't What's have a that? couch yet. I thought they did have a couch. No, it's still the chair. Oh, wait. Oh, no, they've got I'm a couch. Selby an... sits down on the wait. couch. Okay. Selby's going to come down and sit down on the couch. No, hold on. And it's a couch couch. Is it the couch? It's a three-seat couch. Yeah. Is it three-seat? But that couch was also... Oh, boy. I- I'm sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> wait. They're shopping for a couch in episode two to go Correct. where the Eames chair is in front of the – oh, wow. This apartment's changing every episode, isn't it? Because now the TV the, – in the pilot, the TV is in front of the Eames chair because Selby's watching it. That's right. In episode two, it's still it's there. in a different location now. In episode three now, yeah, it's like closer to the audience. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's we need, not – We need some – we need a floor plan and some schematics to see – the layout of uh, of this apartment. Okay, so presumably, presumably, after they decided on the love seats, they canceled it, decided to rearrange their apartment, move the TV to a different location, then get a full size couch. It's fun to think about, which makes sense stuff. because yeah. otherwise, because that's such a narrow wall. Because if they have anything bigger than a love seat, it's going <laughs> to block the bedroom door. You're absolutely right. It's true. I mean, this You're is absolutely yeah. right. Good, good, good choices. Good, good, cost-effective choices for your space. You're living in what you actually – you're living in the real space, not where you want to be, not where you hope to be. Yeah. You're dealing with what you actually have. Great job. Vaughn. I tell you what that is. That's some good home ec. It sure is. That's some good home ec. Jamie, Jamie eventually hangs up with her mother. Finally. They're ready to go. They're going out Paul, into the world. Paul has learned on the phone call – that his favorite Chinese place, Fang Wei, where they went a while ago, Fang Wei, uh, has been closed due to uh, a poor health inspection, and Paul starts to spiral <laughs> as he, he does one, once an episode, I'd say, at least. Yeah, and you know that's unremarkable, but what is remarkable is Paul spiraling and Jamie spiraling as Paul right back in his face and doing a Paul Buckman slash Paul Reiser impression in real time. Oh, there two months no, ago. Come no, on. No, no, I, 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 stop. I didn't, I didn't feel quite right I, ever I, since I, I, I ate those thin dumplings. They were a little of... They were terrible. They made me too thirsty. Stop it. I'm just saying. You know, a tape a tapeworm takes like two months to grow. That's what I think I have. Come on. She's giving it just as good as he is. And it's great. Oh. I love it. It is. Love it, love it. Uh, so they f- Real good. She finally gets off the phone. He gets over the possible tapeworm he has. Uh, they get ready to leave, and Selby comes bursting through the door. Selby! 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 And he go- <laughs> he's wearing favorite. Yeah, and he's wearing a 10K outfit. He's mm-hmm. got, like, the number bib on his uh, uh, the tank top there, and he's got, but he's also holding two gigantic bags of McDonald's and two drinks of McDonald's. Yeah, which is also really funny because in this episode earlier they were using aw dishwashing detergent because Dawn they blurred out, and they wow. also were were eating Amble's soup, I think, 
and this is just like boom, McDonald's back. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, that's so weird. You're right. Interesting product placement. Very interesting. Very bold. Very effective. Selby's wearing a, a, a 10K bib. He's pretending to run a 10K. And I, he must be – I bet symbolically they're like, you're going to run a 10K because similarly to the way uh, – a 10K is how many? That's what? Uh, how, how like far five miles, that? let's what, say. Five miles. A little less. He's like, uh, so you're going to run five miles in this 10K similarly to the way that you will be on this show – for five seasons, no less. Right, absolutely. Um, a mile at least per season that you are featured. It's a symbolic yeah. uh, nod and a tip of the hat <laughs> to that fact. Yeah, it's the kind of move. Yeah, I think as an actor, when you get a script and you see your character runs over a couple miles, you that's when you take your first sigh of relief. Yeah, you call home. Yeah, you say, I'm good. I did it, yeah. mom and dad. <laughs> I finally you, got a solid, down. stable job. You put a down payment on a house. Yeah. My character's running a 10K. Yeah, I'm finally going to buy that Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I can plan on having kids with my wife now. <laughs> yeah, I can finally stop putting off all the life things I've sacrificed for the last 15 years. Good for you, Selby. <laughs> you finally made it. Uh, and as he comes in, he goes, there's all these men outside your building. <laughs> <laughs> Which implies that that parade is making its way downtown. It's here. It's here. Uh, and so his um, plan, in perfect Selby fashion, is to... Listen, Selby, we're actually heading out. Oh, to... no, that's cool. I'm just going to hang out for a while. You know, I'm doing the 10K. <laughs> You're doing it to here? Yeah. I started it. I figured that. I waited out. Then blended it to finish line. <laughs> you would not believe the women just waiting there with towels and Gatorade. There are people who in history have actually done that with, like, the Boston Marathon. It was a big deal. Oh, sure. Like, they got busted. Like, somebody took, like, the subway (laughs) to get to the end of the marathon. Mm -hmm. Um, Back in the 70s, this was a huge scandal. Uh, Our buddy Gary knows all about it. Um, Yes, our buddy Gary, the marathon runner. Yeah, we'll have him the the and, and from Boston or who knows the Boston from area. Providence, but knows yeah um, Boston well, New England. Yeah, um, uh, so we'll have to have him on a guest yeah. to talk about. Uh, we'll have Marathons? him on as a guest to talk about. Yeah, we'll have him talk about. <laughs> we'll have him on in a in the second or third season of this show uh-huh. to talk about this moment from this episode. <laughs> yeah. So they're about to leave. They tell Selby, don't feed the dog. Don't feed Murray. They leave. He feeds Murray. Mm-hmm. And why are they back in the apartment? Because... The parade is blocking them in. What happened? I thought you guys were going off. Oh, honey, come here. You're going to miss the Judy Garland balloon. They don't have balloons, right? Do they use? It's I've, not a balloon. It's not much of a balloon thing. It always floats. I've never seen a gay pride parade with balloons. Add it, look, man. Add it to the list. Well, I think I think they're drawing from the, obviously the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade idea, which then oh, begs exactly. the question: yes. Have they never been to a gay pride parade? I I'm fairly sure that that is true. Interesting. They're, it's just nothing but punchlines with these people. <laughs> Uh, we come back from commercial, and Paul is on the phone with his mom. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and you can tell, just like you said, from his responses, you know why they're like that. 
Right, Ma. Uh, yes, Ma. Ma? Ma, you know, let me say, let me say hi to Dad. Hi! Okay, fine. Yes, Ma. <laughs> I can hear... My mother's not like his mother, of course, but, like, in, on her side of the family, a lot of these dynamics exist. And I can hear the voice. You know, I can hear the yes, mother immediately absolutely. saying, give me back the phone. Yep. The second the yep, dad says, says hello, that. she's like, give me the phone. There's also I, – I understand the, uh, the concept of comic timing, especially when it comes to phone calls. <laughs> but And it works beautifully when uh, Jamie asks – Jamie says hello – and or whatever, and and I think Paul says uh, she's cooking. No, uh, that's Jamie, ma. No, she knows. She knows. Knows what? How annoying it is to talk to somebody when they're on the phone. <laughs> no, she's 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 cooking, ma. But why would I lie? Of course, yes, she is. You can hear the mom yeah. going, "Really, Jamie's cooking? Really, Jamie's cooking?" Sure. And you know, there's not enough. Part of me is like, there's not enough time to say that, and the other part of me, a, doesn't care, and b, thinks, what if she said it that quickly? Oh, because she absolutely. was just, yeah, yeah, just, absolutely. Or she just started laughing. Just, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. What? James Cooking? I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, you, you can hear the whole conversation in your head because he's sure. like, yeah, she's making a cassoulet. And you can hear his mom going, what's cassoulet? And what's he goes, cassoulet? it's French. And then you imagine in her in your mind, she goes, what's that? What's it mean? And he goes, it's like a casserole. And then you, you got to figure yeah. she goes, well, why don't they just say that? Because he goes to mm-hmm. make trouble, Ma. I don't know. I got to go. To make trouble. It's so good, and then he gets the he gets off the phone. He needs to get a, a, a the obituary page to read an obituary. Where are the obituaries? I got to see what they said about Stanley Kahn. Who's that? I don't know. My mother just said it was really well written. <laughs> My mother, historically, has she always reads the obituary pages just to see if she knows anybody uh. or if anybody that yeah. And sometimes it happens, so she can be. She's she's been the bringer of bad news on several occasions. Yeah, uh, a lot of them over the years. Where it's just like, hey, and it's, how did you know that? And like, I read the obituary. It's like, well, how did you wow. read the obituary? I read the obituary page. You do? Sure. So yeah, <laughs> I spent uh, I spent uh, a couple of weeks in Vermont once, and yeah. I would go down to the local market every morning and get iced coffee, and I'd drink mm-hmm. it and look at the paper. And for whatever reason, I would read the obituaries of the Bennington Banner. And it became a routine for me. Yeah. And you know what you learn? What's that? Family is the most important thing. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad it's you the, read it that. Really to learn links, that. It really links. It just. It just. It. It's the one that stands out in every single obit. You know, you got the career, you got this, but then you get down to the family brass, the brass tacks, the family. It's uh, that's sweet. Yeah. No, it is. I'm glad you learned that lesson. Yeah. When it comes to life and death. Ideally, you know, the family is... Uh... John Marbley's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> yeah, I still couldn't wait to get the hell out of there, though, and get back to the city. <laughs> oh, and Jamie starts looking as... Uh, he's looking for the Obed section. She's looking for the book review. So I went ahead and I found the bestsellers <laughs> for, for oh the gosh. Sunday Times for that day. Uh, the Firm by John Grisham was number two. These are paperbacks. Great. Uh, no Greater Great. Love by Danielle Steele, which wasn't a movie, so I've never heard of it because I only know books that were movies. <laughs> uh, number three, A Time to Kill. So John Grisham has the top two slots. He's very popular. Yeah, and then other, uh, you know, other books. 
we all remember Forever in Your Embrace. We all remember Night Over Water. You know, these are all. I'm not a reader. A big year. A big year for books. A big year for books. Yeah. The T Factor Fat Graham Counter was number something. Something. It's hard to read these uh, articles sometimes because they're archived with weird spacing issues. Anyway, <laughs> so Jamie points out how sad it is that they have to have a parade. That the, the, there has to be a gay yeah. pride parade. I think it's sad they even have to have a parade. Can you imagine if someone told you the person you chose to love was a sin? I mean, besides your mother? <laughs> Again, it's just like they're confronting the issue head on. That's true. Like it's such. It's like and also yes, taking a great yeah. And also taking a great dig at mothers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, she's eating cereal now, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, uh-huh. It midday. Uh, and because you know, I'm very strict about when I eat cereal. <laughs> what you eat and when you eat it? Absolutely. What you eat when you eat it. So they've changed their plan, right? So they still want to get out of the house. All right, come on. The streets are open. The paths are clear. Let's go. We head up town. Little film festival. Then 43 minutes of your quilt show. 86. Whatever. Then back back home for some cachalet, which, God willing, will have gelled by then. And they're heading out the door again, and Lisa calls this time. I know you're probably out. I just really, I needed to talk to you. Hi, I'm here. What's the matter? Are you all right? What is wrong? She's having a trauma. From what? The Will Rogers Follies. <laughs> a trauma from the Will Rogers Follies. And the way Jamie says it, we can deduce that Lisa always has traumas. There's always a trauma. And she uses the term trauma, I would assume. Uh-huh. Like, she's... you. I've never heard it used as a singular. Exactly, yes. Correct. It's like, I, you know, I, one can have trauma. Yeah. But to have a trauma... Right. Is, <laughs> is very specific. Uh, I love and it. And we find out that later that uh, the phone call was about Jamie convincing her to go she said I think I convinced her to go back in for the second act what was it she decided if Will Rogers met her he wouldn't like her have you ever felt that great yes what a but to to be like I, I may have felt like I would feel like oh I would like that person and we would we would be friends but to be like I would love to be friends with that person, but they wouldn't want to be friends with me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be hy- I'm gonna be hysterical and make a phone call from a payphone, right, right. about it. Oh, so I- I've never done that. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, I've never made a phone call to someone to talk about it, but I do remember I was watching because I was a I was obsessed with Entourage when it came out. You know, yeah. Uh, I was at college, and then by season five, I don't know, it dawned on me. I think probably because I was sitting at home alone eating a pizza, watching Entourage <laughs> in San Jose, California, where I was living at the time. And I remember watching it being like, you know what? I don't think these guys would like me very much. Oh, I was like, I think they'd make fun of me or think I was lame. You're too good for those guys. Well, those guys are jerks. Yeah, but I was but. Uh, Sure, sure, but that's not how you feel when you're watching it. You know, you're like when you're a fanboy of the show. I was like, I, you know, you want to, you, you think you're one of the guys because you hang out with them the whole show. Uh, and then one day I was like, you know oh, what? If I hung out with them. They'd be if like, they're going like to the treat you like treat, that. You know, I'd be like Joe Pesci in the Lethal Weapon franchise. I feel well. <laughs> I feel I started getting insecure about how much the cool characters of things would like me. You know what? If they're going to treat you like that, they don't deserve to be your friends. And they were never well, you your know real what friends it is, in the I first think. place. They're just jealous. <laughs> they're, they, 
I think Vince, Vince and the internal trauma were just jealous. <laughs> They're so sad. They have to put other people down to make them feel good about themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in my own head. In my- <laughs> They're only putting me down Great. in my imagination. I crunched some brief numbers. What, what are the numbers that you cr- crunched? I just did a little math. Jamie could, says she thinks she convinced her to go back inside for the second act, right? Which would put us at intermission, mm-hmm. right? Which would put mm-hmm. us at like 3 or 3.30 latest. Yeah. Which I don't know about you, but I'm 33, and sometimes I slept I, – I, I got up at like noon yesterday. I didn't get out of the house till 5. <laughs> did I, I, did, I didn't feel great about it, fair. But, like, it's not the end of the world, you two. You know what I mean? You're like, these two should be able to rally. Or, or, or I thought maybe everyone was just a little more disciplined back then. A little bit closer, a little bit closer to, generation, to Generation X, the, or, or rather the greatest generation. Yeah, like all you've missed They're is closer crunch. closer to the greatest like, generation. They were fine. more able to, yeah, come on. Yeah. Get out there. Get out there and do it. Yeah. Well, we get our very first mention of Mr. Cousin Ira. Yes, we do. Because now they're on a time crunch, right? Even if it's yes. still the afternoon, Jamie has to be back by 7 to put the castellet in the oven. And we know mm-hmm. it's around 4 now. And as we know from the last mm-hmm. episode, everything takes 4 hours, as Paul said. Yep. So yep. there's no way they're cramming in the movies and the quilts. they got to pick. So they plus, flip a coin. Plus Mark has ruined, Mark has ruined the plane. Uh, Mark has ruined the film, rather, not the plane. Oh, uh, right. Mark calls. Paul? Paul, is that you? Hello? You there? No? Oh. Okay, listen, it's me, Mark, all right? I'm at a payphone. Now, this isn't an emergency, but I'll be here for the next couple of minutes. You can call me. The number here is, is 8229. This is either a four or a French 7. Hello? Hello? Hi. Paul? Yes. Paul? Is that you? Yes. Oh, I thought you were the machine. I'm not. Oh. Okay, listen. Fran and I were at Zabar's, okay? A new shipment of spices just came in. Fran wanted me to call you, find out, do you guys need any cumin? I, it, I feel like it's, a, it's not how I behave now, but I, mm-hmm. I see myself and all of my peers headed in that direction because that's just how adults – that's adulthood. Yes. Because you know. It's like <laughs> you know you have less opportunities to just get cumin on a whim. Sure. Hey, do you need me to pick something up right. for you? Yeah. I'll make a phone call. Right. Plus, you have your phone in your pocket. It's a text now. Yeah. Because you know it's the and most it's practical. Text. Yeah, right. It's a group text. You'll text 20 of your friends. Hey, does anybody need, need human. a human? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> with a photo. With a, yeah. Which human do you yeah, guys yeah. need? So that really hits Paul because Paul's like, you guys are out? Mm-hmm. And Mark's like, yeah, we just came from the Belgian Film Festival. <laughs> And Paul's yep. like, what? They're having, they're having, they're having their day. Yeah, yeah. And how are the Devonows, the dorky couple, having the fun couple's day? It's absurd. That's the question in his mind. Unf- it's unfair. It's unfair. And, and as they go back and forth, Mark ruins the end of the movie. Well, we went to the quad cinemas, right? Okay, number one was sold out. And number two, it started too late. Number three, well, they only had seats like in the first five rows. And, you know, Fran's next. So, you know, so we went to the Belgian Film Festival. Actually, you know, it was pretty good. Although it's a little confusing, you know? Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense when you find out it's all supposed to be a dream. But you don't find that out until the very end. 
<laughs> so Paul is as neurotic as uh, Alvy Singer is in mm-hmm. Annie Hall. Alvy can't go to a movie mm-hmm. late, and Paul can't go to a movie when he knows the end, which I guess is a little more justifiable, mm-hmm. I suppose. But they remind sure. me of each other. More ways than one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. So Jamie starts talking about other ways in which he's screwed things up, ways that they've ruined things for each other. Well, he's yeah. like, let's let's do something neither one of us wants to do. Right? Yeah. And she goes, like, yeah. hiring your cousin Ira's band to play at our wedding. <laughs> let's bookmark it. Big moment. Big moment. Cousin Ira. Cousin Ira, who will... In- I think he pops up a episode like every now and then right a little a handful of times he certainly doesn't replace any dynamic of any other characters no. <laughs> like selby no, for no, example no, 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 no. yeah but their whole point they they come out of this conversation being like you know what all of our friends are out there doing things look this is ridiculous you want to do your thing i want to do mine why don't we just do it what, what uh, alone why not that's true I mean, we used to do things alone all the time, didn't we? Yes. We don't have to do every little thing together. Exactly. Look at my sister. Look at Selby. They're well, out there. If they can do it, we can do it. You know why? Because no, they're not sitting around waiting for somebody to hold their hand. Good. Good for you. <laughs> so you know what? Let's, let's do that. I'll, I'll, see you, I'll see you back here later. Okay. So Jamie starts to go, and Paul, <laughs> Paul turns into like a little boy. Should I go with you? <laughs> I thought you wanted to see a movie. I th- uh... Go, you go. Seriously. That's exactly what they're doing. My sister and Selby. What? They're waiting for someone to hold their hand. Oh. Every episode so far has had one neurotic spiral from Paul and one to two enormously sweet moments between the couple. And it's so, like, formulaic isn't the right word. It's just the way dramatic structure is. Yeah, why don't you call Aristotle like, and call it formulaic? But, but yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, should, thank you. I should, I should call Aristotle. Because, you know, those Greeks love um, math. But, yeah, but the fact that it gets me every time. They're all so well written and so well acted and so earned. All of those moments. Absolutely. Where where it's just you feel, you know, you get – she says that and I sit on the couch and I go, oh, it's mm-hmm. great. They're really good at those moments. They really are. Waiting for someone to hold their hand. And then Paul says, give me – I I have a quilt I want to show you. And then they start to head out. Oh no! That right, they head to the bedroom to to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we <laughs> we push in on the phone. <laughs> Selby calls. You guys there? It's me, Selby. You'll love this. I won the ten k. <laughs> Great job, Selby. It's gags like that that are going to keep you here for the long run. <laughs> so we are in the final scene. It's hours. It's night. Paul has made a very cute hat out of a page of, of newspaper. Puts it on yes. her head. She's a hat person again. 
Oh my and, uh, gosh. I didn't even connect that. Yeah, man. It's in there. That is so good. Did everyone connect this but me? Right in. Let us yeah, know. Right in. <laughs> right in. Well, we haven't shared it yet. We have a P.O. Box. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, for your letters. How old are you? Yeah. <laughs> We've got a Twitter. We've got a Twitter account. Tweet at us. Tweet at us at P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> 82889. <laughs> New York, New York. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He makes her a hat. She's yeah. a hat person. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, so they're sitting there on the couch mm-hmm. eating potato on chips. On the couch eating potato chips. In their pajamas. And then, and then on comes the weather channel. Mm-hmm. It's Paul's dream. And she goes, Thank you for a perfect Sunday. Hey, could have been worse, you know. Oh, I mean it. It was perfect. Seriously? Yes. You're not bored? No, are you? Am I bored? Are you kidding me? I got you. I got potato chips. How much better could this be? This is the Weather Channel. Weather with the always turn Oh, this is it. This is my dream come true. Adorable. Simply adorable. Ugh, right? A favorite of mine. Yeah, me and too. And it's over. It's one of the best episodes, I think. It's a real good one. So far, every episode's happened in a day. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a common thing back then. I don't remember. I feel like it's not. Um, I don't know. I mean, not... We'll see if it continues. But, uh... Yeah, no, this I definitely I... branches out eventually. But, like, the, these have been just so contained. Yeah. It was, uh... It's, it's a fun one. And also... What do you think? Grade, grade it. Grade it for me. Off the cuff. Oh, never we should start do doing grades. We sure should. Well, grade... You mean, like, letter grades or, like, ranking grades? I don't know that I know the difference. Well, a rank would be uh, grade this in comparison to the other two. A grade would just be, like, grade it. I think do that one because as the episodes go on, we're going to have well, more and more a episodes. Well, A plus. To grade it in no comparison. No question. A plus. A plus. This is an A plus for me as well. Also, Jeffrey they Lane. They haven't all been. Jeffrey Lane really nailed it. Well done, Jeffrey Lane. You, I mean, if you closed your eyes. <laughs> yeah. What I, if we didn't? If you metaphorically closed your eyes, it didn't look at who wrote this episode. You'd have no idea. I, I thought you were going to say if you didn't watch the episode, if you just like close your eyes, <laughs> yeah. and only listen to it. That's what I realized never it know. sounded like. Yeah, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Uh, well done, Jeffrey Lane. Well done, uh, all around to everybody. Oh, hey, John. Bravo. Well done to you as well. Likewise, Russ. That's it for us, John. Uh, do you have anything to plug? I'm going to tell people to go and see the commotion on uh, Tuesday nights at the Magnet Theater. Musical improv featuring me and other very, very, very funny people. 29th and 8th in Manhattan. And uh, you can also tweet at me at Russ Fader. R-U-S-S-F-E-D-E-R. You can tweet at me at, at Johnny Marbles. Uh, and uh, if you want to see me acting or, or doing comedy or anything like that... Uh, I don't know what to tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got nothing coming out at the moment, and uh, no shows currently. It's just a slow week. Thank you all. Yeah, for thank listening. you. Episode uh, three. Thanks. We're doing this together, guys. <laughs> tell your We're, friends. Thanks for you know, bite a wooden spoon, bear <laughs> down. We're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna get through this nightmare together. Make it. Yeah. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It's quick, and it really helps us out. 
Also, check out our Facebook page, our Tumblr page at madaboutyoupod.tumblr.com, and find us on Twitter at madaboutyoupod. Mad About You is not currently streaming in its entirety on any popular providers. Crackle and FXX.com have select episodes available, but nothing from top to bottom. But you can buy the first and second seasons on DVD through Amazon for less than $8 total, or you can buy the complete series set for less than $30. It's a steal of a deal. So do that. Our theme song is by John D. Ivey, and our logo was designed by Nathan Diffie. Thanks to them both. And thanks to you for listening. We will touch base with you again uh, next week. I'm Russ Bader. I'm John Marbley. And, and we're mad about... Oh, <laughs> right! We're mad about mad about you. And this is what we're saying, which is our predetermined sign-off. Oh, uh, you want to do it again? <laughs> yep. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And, and this is, this what, is what we're, what we're saying. saying.